It's the next level. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, into this issue 143 of the DC Primetime Podcast. From the spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, I want to go back to bed. No, Uh, no, this is Rob Martin. Uh, We are recording to you on an Easter morning. So for those of you that celebrate, uh, you'll have heard this, obviously, after Easter is already over. But uh, for those of you that celebrated, we we hope you had a great Easter weekend. Uh, Ate a lot of chocolate and, you know, spent some time with with family and loved ones and such. I know Rob and I are coming... uh, Coming from having attended a wedding last night, uh, Saturday night, of uh, two good friends of ours, which we had a great time last night. It was yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. And if you you see that little thumbnail, that that that'd be us. <laughs> yep, <laughs> so. exactly. We decided not to use a, a pic from one of the episodes this week, which made my job easier. Uh, yeah, and just used a picture Rob and I took last night, which was just for some goofy fun. Indeed. So, so yes, happy Zombie Jesus Day to everybody. So. <laughs> That's what I call it too. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, three shows to talk about this week. We have Super, uh, no, not Supergirl. Supergirl is still on break. Uh, but Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow uh, coming back from its break, and The Flash coming back from its break as well. So, all in all, not a bad week though. No, I will say that. That's and that's usually not something we say often when Arrow's thrown into the mix lately. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Arrow had its problems still, but I didn't want to. Uh climb to the top of a, sp- uh, of a small building and jump <laughs> so and i didn't want to jam a pencil in my eye so yeah we're, we're right along the same uh right along, right along the same aspect when it comes to to be fair and i will preface this early i was also ironing shirts while i was watching this week so i didn't have my <laughs> undivided attention which maybe made it a little bit better so <laughs> but but you know what Wait, we'll get to the breakdowns yeah in a second and give them more reviews but yeah all in all i agree with your assessment not a bad week this week Mm-hmm. So actually, I think two of the shows are getting legends for me this week, which is uh, uh, a pretty I think good our week. Score, our scores line up across the board this this week. So yeah, let's just knock them out now, um, and you know we'll get them. Uh, as you know, we do our one of three point ranking of all of the shows of the week, and then we'll go back and we'll rate and we'll go back and break down and review the episodes. Uh, starting first with C- with uh, Legends of Tomorrow season four episode twelve. Oh, season uh, episode eleven. Sorry. Uh, sidekick hero or legend? I am going legend. Uh, it was just a fun episode. It was really, really fun. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It was, uh, story-wise, it was, uh, you know, a great story for legends, but, man, the humor in this week's episode kind of put it over. I laughed so much during this episode. 
Uh, and that's, I think, the big thing is, like, if you were looking for massive story beats in this episode, well, there was a little bit of a nudge forward. Man, this was one of the funniest episodes they have ever done on this show. I mean, the, I think the, you know, we, we've definitely had funnier moments, but I mean, like, they just embrace it in the show. And I, we were joking and saying, you know, <laughs> there's so many series out there that attempt to do something ri- just ridiculous and over the top that just makes the audience roll their eyes. And I guarantee there's people out there that roll their eyes at Legends, but you and I just be like, I love how much they embrace just their wackiness. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, just for the humor alone, it bumped it up into Legend territory, so it's, it's a legend for me. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Arrow, Season 7, Episode 18, Returning from Break, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? I'm going to give it a middling hero. I, that's not a bad thing for uh, Arrow right now. Um, you know, there was a couple pieces that were definitely very problematic, and we'll get to them in the breakdown. But I think there was a certain character that I think kept it from dipping too far below that 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 score. And it was a character that it feels like you realize how much you miss her when she shows up in the show. But thankfully, again, she's in another show that's better. Oh, you're talking about Felicity, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's it's a mid-hero for me as well. Um, you know, I heard some advanced reviews from some people who kind of really put the episode down, and we'll get to that in a little bit when we're breaking the episode down, but watching it myself, didn't find it nearly as bad as, as some people were saying, and I... I actually pried the writers on a couple, one or two things they actually did in this episode. So yeah, I was they 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 did some unique things because, and it's probably the same thoughts of things that I'm, I'm I'm talking about too, where they've written themselves in corners with a certain character for such a long yeah. time that they found something a new way to do something with it because I know they were never going to get it right. So at least they just did something original. Yeah. So that, that's I'm actually that. that's right around my thinking too. So we'll get more into that when we do the breakdown. But yeah, uh, mid hero from me. And last but not least, we have returning the Flash season five episode eighteen, sidekick hero or legend. Man, one of the best episodes of the Flash in a good long while. Man, this was a damn damn good episode. Yeah, I'm. I can't wait to get into this one and uh, break it down because there are. Uh, quite a few things that we that uh, were were done really well with this episode. So this is a legend for me as well. Uh, an interesting note too um, on IMDb across the board, nothing less than an 8.0 from all three of these episodes. Yeah. So highly rated from a lot of people this week. Flash is at a nine out of ten, which is pretty impressive. So. Uh, but let's go back, and we'll jump back to DC's Legends of Tomorrow and break it down. Uh, we have Season 4, Episode 11, Seance and Sensibility, uh, when Mona discovers that her favorite author, author Jane Austen, might be the might be at the epicenter of a magical alert. Mona, Sarah, Sarah, God, I can't talk today. Uh, Mona, Sarah, Charlie, and Zari find themselves in 1809. So... I mean, first things first, one of the things that we, we've already mentioned is just the humor in this episode is just on point. I And not just, we talked a little bit about this during show prep too, but the beauty of the humor of this show is that it came from almost every character. It's not just one person who was, you know, funnier than the rest. It was everybody had their moment this week. Almost no, everybody. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think the one character that really didn't, you and I were talking about in the beginning, was Rory. But that's okay, because he usually gets so many moments to shine, so this gave the ability for a lot of other characters to have a fun, goofy moment. And I think that was important to, for them to have that opportunity this week. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, there were so many. Mo- I mean, some of my favorite moments that came from this episode when it comes to the humor were with Ray and Nora. And uh, you, you, you have to chalk that up to the fact that these two are real life husband and wife. So, I mean, the chemistry that they have in real life just shines on screen together. And it was one of the things that I was really hoping for last season when we were talking about Legends in that when, uh, you know, when Courtney Ford joined the cast and we knew she was going to be more of a season regular, a little bit more of a regular this season. You know, I had said, like, hey, I hope we get more of them together because of them being married in real life. It's going to play off amazingly. And it really does. You know, Oh, my God. They had so much fun with this one. Absolutely so much fun with this one. I mean, and that and that's the case, too. Like, you can just tell, like, watching these scenes, you can just imagine that, like, this is probably how this couple is in real life. Like, they just have a blast together. I mean, I hope they're not that awkward in bed together, but <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Like, yeah, and you, you talk about that scene, too, with, like, uh, with them sharing the bed and Nora telling Ray, like, they can share the bed and... You know, seeing them, you know, kind of closed quarters under the sheets and the moment just like a finger touches Ray is hopping out of bed and it curls up in the chair awkwardly. She's like, you, you can't. And then it's like six seconds later, he's just snoring at him like, yes. yeah, <laughs> this, this Ray has become and I know a lot of people that are like, it's like, oh, my God, they made the Adam just like an idiot. And I'm like, you know what, though, but he's not an idiot. He's just. Very lovable, but I think he had one of my other favorite moments, and it was a moment between him and Nate this week that had me just in stitches. That was just so funny, which was during Hank's funeral, and it, you know the whole subplot of Zari and Nate potentially having a, a relationship, and uh, you know it, it's everybody's leaving because uh, they have to head to the mission, so. Sarah gives Nate a kiss on the cheek and just kind of like consoles him, oh, and then then God. Ray comes up immediately after and gives him like a kiss on the cheek, and then there, Nate has this look like where he's almost looking at the camera and almost breaking the fourth wall, and it's just kind of like, huh. <laughs> that you know what? I'm glad you brought that moment up because uh, that moment was one of my absolute favorite moments of the episode too. And as I'm sitting here talking about the whole Ray and Norma stuff, Norma, uh, Ray and Norma stuff, I have in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'm like, I know there was something funnier i just can't remember what it was and that was it well it was really really funny too because about no lie about a minute and a half two minutes before that scene happened my wife turned to me and said like i don't know why she they're trying to ship you know nate and zari it's like it's not that it's bad or anything and i think it's kind of like he's like he's like but he has so much better chemistry with like ray and then six seconds later, it happens, <laughs> and she's like, see what I mean? <laughs> that was, yeah, that was truly um, one of those moments that, like, I just, I bust, I got busted laughing when I saw I that. love their friendship. Their friendship is so wonderful, and I do hope that we get to see him back on the Wave Rider a lot more in this back half of the season now. And I think that's something that is going to happen. Um, so I, I just, I would love to see them get a chance to interact more, because they're so fun and goofy together. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, you know, it, we talk about how how quirky and zany this show can be. I mean, and you think about the plot of this episode, and when you put together, like, where else could you watch a show that, that combines, that finds a way to successfully meld Jane Austen with a Hollywood, with a Bollywood musical? Yeah, like, uh, and it's, it's it, none of those things work together at all but the show for some reason makes it work it should not happen that way <laughs> yeah but it absolutely does and i think that's why we constantly honor the show with 
the ratings that we usually give it. I mean, last week I think we actually did give it a hero because we think we, we both agreed that it was like it was a good episode, but it had its problems. And as we always say, the show really is it's at its best when it embraces its weird side. And this episode did very much embrace that weird side without question. And it was wonderful. It was so much fun because of that. And I, that's why I'm always so excited every week to watch the show. No, and, and I am too. Like, it's one of the things that I'm, um, you know, every time this this show airs, like, I, I'm always, it's one of my most anticipated shows of the week anytime. Uh, you know, we've talked about how sometimes some of the other cho- shows can be a chore, like Arrow, as of late. Uh, but yeah, this is one that's never, never a chore to watch. Like, even on a yeah. slower, slower week uh, and, like, a lower-rated episode, I don't think... I, I don't remind me if I I could be wrong on this, but I don't think in the past two or three seasons we have given one episode of this show anything less than a hero. I'm pretty sure that's correct. I I I, I couldn't imagine we would. Um, and you know what? And it's not because there's a bias, but by any stretch of the imagination, no. that's the one thing we try our hardest. And I know some of you that are big Arrow fans may disagree with us a little bit, but like we're trying to come to this really from a critical side as best as humanly possible. You have to really love your characters, and the way that the characters interact with each other is really an important piece, and I think that's where you've heard us kind of make some comments about Arrow, where we're saying, well, it, it the dialogue feels stilted, or like the interactions didn't feel believable because of X, and a lot of it is it makes you wonder if the cast is getting bored with what they're doing, uh, and all those little pieces, but when you watch a show like this, that same that ensemble elevates in a really crazy fun way that you used to see on arrow which was one of the things that brought a lot of excitement to the show and i think that's really where a lot of our our thought processes come from because it has to be that not only with the storytelling and the action sequences but the character interactions and the writing as well has to be as equally as fun and and move and that's why we we constantly give this show the scores that we do because it it this show is really deserving them. It really, really is. Yeah. I mean, I, I think when we get to our finale and when we get to our um, annual for this, you may not hear the same things from us because maybe we don't like the way that the Neuron plot plays. But like the, the one-off episodes, we may thoroughly enjoy. So, Yeah, I mean, this show is one of the best examples of what a, you know, weekly... Uh, you know, comic book would play out to be. I mean, we we made references to that with Doom Patrol as well, but I mean, we haven't started covering Doom Patrol yet, so we can't really break down why we feel that way about Doom Patrol. But as far as the shows that we talk about on a regular basis, uh, (coughs) excuse me, uh, Legends to me does kind of fit that mold of what a weekly comic book series would be. You, You have kind of an underarching story that follows through every episode, but for the most part, every episode of this show is just finding new ways for these characters to interact and solve some kind of problem. Yeah. And and that's what makes this show fun to us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's uh, that's you, you said it you just hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah. Um I, I one of the things that I kind of brought up last week and it really shined this week even more so is the fact that one of the things that this show has actually been able to learn to do brilliantly is while it is a superhero show, if you look at this week, other than Constantine, no powers at all. Mick yeah. didn't use his gun. Nate hasn't steeled up in a while. Um, yeah. yeah, I think the last time is when he was 
he was naked and in Ray's arms. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, you know, Charlie didn't shapeshift. Sarah didn't have to fight anybody, with the exception of Mona. Tur- you know, turning into um, turning into um, what she call herself, Wolfie. Wolfie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there really was, and John using you know some occult abilities. There is no superhero usage in this episode, and the episode still played out wonderfully. Like yeah. this show has become so learned in being able to spotlight who these characters are with and without abilities yeah they're heroes with or without this has become a character piece more than any other of the shows it feels like the other shows still have that spectacle to them this show realizes it doesn't need to and it can actually rely on its strength of its writing and humor so yeah i mean because other shows you know while certain characters they can kind of be spotlighted a little bit if they lose their abilities or they or something like that. They they kind of spotlight them a little bit, but that doesn't work for everybody on that series. This show it works for everybody. These guys are heroes with or without abilities, and you're right. It's become a character piece. That's the best way to describe it. Yeah. Um, I, the only other thing I really have left to talk about is uh the the Nate and Hank aspect. You know, towards the end and uh the whole truth behind everything coming out. So, but before we go into that, was there anything else about the episode that you kind of wanted to bring up and talk about? I, I, I think really it was, uh, this episode was more just them having the ability to have fun. Like I said, yeah, obviously we, we had the remains of, of the, what was it? The Hindu love God. Uh, you know, uh, it was <laughs> comma, you know, it was. Yeah. Kama, Kama Deva. Yeah. Yeah. Kama Deva, you know, and like I said, they, they got to play with that, which just created a lot of really amusing sequences. As we mentioned before, you know, the Jane Austen stuff really kind of was a big backseat and more the setup for funnier things that happened later. Because the Jane Austen stuff was the only piece that I really thought kind of even kind of dragged the most, where the rest of it was actually... Uh, but, I mean, that's specifically with the historical figure of Jane Austen in this. The, the stuff in that timeline was still incredibly amusing and funny. So, yeah, and that I, was a big piece. Yeah, and I and, agree. I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 go. No, sorry. I was just going to say I agree with you with what you're saying about the Jane Austen thing. I feel like the Jane Austen aspect was literally used to just find a historical figure surrounding love, which seemed to be the central point of this episode. Yeah, uh, and, love I mean, and lust. And that was fine. Right. Yeah. And that was fine. And I think it, it because what it led to was hysterical and it just worked and played wonderfully. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like the stuff you're right with with Hank this week um, and Nate, like as far as their past and Nate trying to say goodbye was uh, was it, it played really, really well, especially the ending. And, you know, because it's a Tom Wilson's yet, I want you to be able to cover that one. So, um, yeah, it's it. you know what? It's as funny as the we say the episode was. I, I won't lie. The the final moment with <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, the final moments with Nate and Henry, uh, Nate and Hank, I felt actually was really, really touching. Um, you know, we found out that, that Hank was, was killed by Neron last episode, uh, but he was still around. His spirit was still haunting the house because I guess he, he kind of had something he still wanted to say uh, to Nate. He wanted Nate to feel like he didn't want Nate to resent him for thinking wrong of him because nate had the complete wrong impression uh you know as to why he was capturing these creatures and i felt like while it was really zany in his idea to basically capture them and train them to be theme park um theme park 
uh, attractions. Attractions. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. Uh, uh, or Hey World. <laughs> yeah, which, but I felt that video that he was watching of you know of Hank pitching the theme park. I thought was so touching, and, and and then even more so into when Nate finally goes to Hank in his coffin to finally say goodbye and to forgive Nate or for, to forgive Hank, and just the moment when you know going back to when he's watching the video when Nate says, "Oh, Hank, you really were a legend." You know, comparing him to him, he's finally realizing how much like his father he really is. Yeah. And that moment with him saying goodbye, I'm not going to lie. I almost got a little choked up. Yeah. Yeah, Be- it was it was really touching. And it was because it was the funny thing is we always heard about Tom Wilson's character going into the season is because they're like, everybody loves him so much. He's this wonderful character. And we always saw this one side. And by the time we actually got the truth out of it. And when he was already gone, you're like, oh, my God, he really was. Yeah. Uh, and like there was that really touching eulogy part from from Nate's mom in this episode too, talking about the story with like with Disney, you know, the, the Disney trip that went awry. And it was just kind of like you believed this character and his relationship with his family immediately there. And I was like, I was like, that was really well done and well executed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and you're right. Like we we were talking over the past couple of weeks about how everybody loved his character and they changed you know, that he was originally supposed to be the big bad of this season, and because of how they felt about his character, they changed that around. And then last week, you know, we get, you know, him killed off. And while I was really bummed out about that, because, again, I'm a huge Tom Wilson fan from Back to the Future fame, and I really started to like uh, Hank in the show, this was a really, really touching wrap-up and way to uh, complete the story of his character. Now... Does that necessarily mean his character is completely gone? I, I don't know. Uh, you know, anything's possible in the show. So I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next. I am. I Yeah, I really am, too. Um, before we move on to Arrow, there there's a little bit of feedback on the Facebook page. And that comes from our buddy Shad, who's actually going to be co-hosting with me next week. Uh, and he posts, he posts an interesting question. And I'll turn it over to you after I ask it is... Do you think Nate's childhood drawing is going to be some sort of MacGuffin? Because every creature Hank called out from the drawing was something the Legends have faced this season. Um, you know, I generally have no idea. I, I think that actually is just more coincidence. I think is really where it kind of came down to. But, you know, I, I could be entirely wrong. So it's a big wait and see. No, that, I think that's my feeling on it, too. I think it's just purely coincidence. And I, I think it mainly i mean the question is did he make that video before the legends ran into these creatures or did he basically take reports from the legends of having interacted with these creatures and use them to create his pitch and if that's the case yeah it's all these possibilities i mean and you could always pose it and i know people will say it's like well this is uh something that nate did when he was a kid well when you're pitching something (laughs) doesn't always necessarily mean that. So it, it, it's just a big wait and see. But regardless, again, it was a great Tom Wilson scene, and I think that's really the biggest takeaway from that. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to uh, this coming week of Legends of Tomorrow. We have the Eggplant, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, with Darkness on the Rise in 2019, the team realizes that a new host of problems have risen as they have been cleaning up history. So by the sound of that, I think we're going to start making the shift towards the the uh the end game of this season and i think we're going to probably start focusing more on the neuron stuff starting this week oh yeah because like we did see that tease at the end of this episode that you know john knows it's coming 
Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it looks like it's more of the present day uh, catching up to them with everything that they've done in the past. So, yeah, I, I can pretty much almost say that this is going to be we're, we're going to start going into the towards the end of the uh, we're going to yeah, hit we're going to hit the gas pedal. The heart, the heart shift happens here. Yep. So, yeah, exactly. Which I'm fine with. Uh, all right. Let's move on to Arrow, Season 7, Episode 18, Lost Canary. Uh, after being accused of murder and having her criminal past exposed, Laurel goes full Black Siren and teams up with an old criminal acquaintance, Shadow Thief, to go on a crime spree around Star City. Uh, while Dinah aims to bring Laurel in, uh, Felicity refuses to give up on her friend and tries everything to get through to her, even summoning Sarah Lance for help. However, Laurel rebuffs all of her efforts facing the former friends, uh, forcing the former friends to face off against each other. Uh, so, where do we want to begin with this? Because, I mean, this is pretty much a, a canary episode. There was very little arrow. Uh, I mean, we got glimpses. Well, actually, let's, let's, let's do that. Let's talk about the arrow moment. And okay. this is one of the moments that really, I thought, chipped off at least one full point from the episode. Okay. Um, because we do see while they're trying to find out a little bit more information, we, we know that Ollie's plan right now with crazy, crazy, murdery, murdery, stabby sister, uh, out there <laughs> in, the, in the mix that maybe that he can kind of tilt her back in a positive direction. If they actually do find the person that was responsible for the death of Emiko's mother. So. The idea was to track down this information. So we see. Diggs and, you know, Ollie track down Kodiak, who basically might as well have not been a longbow hunter because uh, yeah. <laughs> they made them sound like the scariest things in the universe when they first introduced him this season. Like, the entire uh, like Arrow team could not do anything, and Ollie's just kind of like, yeah, I just shot you with the trank. You're done. And I was like, what the hell was that? And I'm like, I was like, what was the purpose of that? Like, you, you built these people up like the, these were these unstoppable force. And it was just kind of like, eh. <laughs> I was like, he's down. We tied him to a chair. Game over. And I'm like, what, what the hell happened? And it was just so, it was lazy. It was, it felt very lazy. Um, it, I, I, no, I, 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 I go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, I, I just, I just thought I was like, wow. I was like, that so contradicts everything you, you you tried to do with these characters in the beginning of the season. And it just they made them worthless. They made them absolutely worthless in that one scene alone. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like, I mean, we had pretty much two wrap-ups of storylines in this episode. And one was done really, really well. And then there was this one. It felt like they, 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 they had to find a way to wrap up the, the Longbow Hunter storyline because... You know, you had all, all the other ones had been taken care of, and he was the only one really lingering out there. So to just kind of wrap it up with a trank arrow, like as easily as they did, yeah, it made them feel worthless. Yeah, but you know, I know they had to deal with that loose thread, but it was—I think it was executed very poorly. And again, this is another episode in this this weird season where it's just kind of you can tell that. Amel was just kind of like, I'm so just don't want to be this character anymore. <laughs> because I I think if we cut together in this entire season, it was a matter of screen time in the series. For this season alone, it would probably be about a third of any other season that has come before it. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean and he he already knew at this point that he was leaving. Oh, yeah. You know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's I, I agree with you. Like, we could have gotten more. And, and that's not to say I don't want anybody to take that 
as us saying that Steven is lazy because he's not. No, no. Uh, this is more like if you're coming to the show to see Green Arrow, look elsewhere. Um, you pick up a comic. Uh, go watch an old season because you're not going to see it here. I mean, that's if this episode was another episode that was just very evident that um, the end is right around the corner. Yeah. Really. Yeah, so. exactly. I mean, so when we say, like, you know, his screen time has been a lot less, again, <clears throat> not saying Steven's lazy, not at all. I no, mean, he, no, he no, is no, not at all. one of the, the strongest proponents of this whole entire universe. And that man has more, done more for this universe and that show than anybody else has. It's just, you're right. I mean, we're reaching the end and they're kind of, you know, lacking on material. I mean, look how long it took them. It took them almost eight seasons to give us a Canary episode. Um, <clears throat> like a Birds of Prey episode, rather. Um, you know, because we've gotten Canary-driven storylines in the past, but this is the first time we've gotten, like, a Birds of Prey-esque storyline. Yeah, and that's, I know that was their goal here. And uh, I, I do think, I will say, this episode kind of achieved that. I, I can't say it did, but it kind of did. Uh, it was close. And I, here's where, let's get into the argument point, and we'll, we'll bring up our good friend Paul, uh, Paul Williams. He made a comment early on to us at, online, and we saw his post, and it was just very... There's a lot of vitriol in uh, his opinion towards this episode. And he kind of said, you know, it's not collision course bad, but this was... Uh, he said close second. See, yeah, he said this is where kind of he officially feels like he has given up. And I, I can understand why and where that's coming from from him. Uh, because there's a part of me that's there too. But because I gave up a while ago, the show actually did something that surprised me, that I came up with a new idea. And I didn't think that was humanly possible anymore in the show. So, and I, I don't mean that to come off mean. I know it will, but it, it's, it's, it's where I'm at. Um, and for him, his big piece has been, and it's something that I've echoed for a very long time, that they just do not know what the hell to do with Black Canary in this show. They never have. They've never been able to achieve it, to do it right, anything. And we always even joke, and it's funny because I was cleaning some digital files on my computer as my old machine was getting repaired. And I found the musical episode that we did where I did a little bit about uh, <laughs> running home to you where it was the Arrow one. And I made the comment about like how many more canaries are there going to be in, the, in that song, <laughs> yep. that, that little spoof song. And I'm like, apparently a lot more. <laughs> apparently many, many, many more. And how many more canaries are going to die? Well, apparently this episode told us at least 10. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we didn't see him, but we know they bit it. So which is really kind of amusing. So it was, it, it, I think if there's any takeaway from Arrow is that Arrow hates Canary. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but no, like I said, so if you're looking for a traditional Black Canary, you don't have it in the show. You absolutely don't. But this episode did something really kind of unique when it jumped into the 2040 storyline. And essentially, we just found out that the group that we've been following this entire time, this little kind of like resistance movement, they call themselves the Black Canaries as a gang. And I'm like, and it's a whole bunch of females basically in the city that are saying we're not going to put up with this. And they're all kind of taking up the vigilante role and have kind of essentially they have done the I am Spartacus moment. Uh, and I'm like, it's kind of cool that they went that route. Like it's it's different. It's unique. And they're giving us a new take because we know they don't have enough time to give us a real Black Canary at this point. Best Shorts, I think, did the best she could with what was laid in front of her, knowing that she's got too many Canaries on the board. Uh, but they did something new, you know, kind of new with it. And I'm like, okay, that's a cool twist. Uh, I'm, I'm curious on where this is going to go. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> and, you know, one of the things that I'm, I, I was actually really pleased about when it came to the episode, because you're right. I mean, you talk about what 
<clears throat> excuse me, what our friend Paul said and, uh, you know, how it was, I mean, and how he's just wanted a, a great Canary story for a while. And I don't think it was anything we were ever going to get at this point in the series, like you mentioned. But one of the things I, I do want to pride this episode on is the fact that we actually got a great wrap up to Laurel's story. Well, the funny thing, well, we'll get to that at the end of the somewhat. Okay, I'm curious about where, where you were going to go with that. She's not gone. Like, we, it has been 100% confirmed that she is in the rest of the season. Oh, really? <laughs> I, yes. I wonder if that's just going to pertain to the to the flash forwards then, though. Most likely, as my guess is, we'll see her continue on the flash forwards and next season in present time. Yeah. That she is just taking a short Think of this as the Superman leave of absence uh, as he heads to Argo, uh, you know, and we're going to see um, her still as a season regular next year. They've already confirmed. OK, so, well, I mean, that's so. not saying much considering it's only 10 episodes, but, um, you know, and I think didn't they say that the flash forwards are still going to continue next season? Um, I don't know if that's actually going to continue or not. So it's a big wait and see. Okay. Um, it's a big question of. At what point in time did Beth Schwartz make that comment, and if that was privy to her knowledge of uh, Stephen already planning on leaving? So okay, um, so I, it makes you wonder on where that kind of falls, or if they're going to alter. Because again, we also have a lot of cast members leaving this season into next season, so it, it's a question of um, how that's going to line up, and are they going to be wanting to focus on a, a big flash forward stuff? It means very possible that will indeed happen. So. I'm curious to see that play out. Yeah, so. I do. Uh, but I mean, going back to what I was saying, though, about, you know, the wrap up of Laurel's story, um, you know, whether or not she's going to continue on next season, uh, you know, whether it's going to be or she's going to continue with us this season and it's going to be flash forwards or, or what have you, uh, you know, we're gearing up towards a season end where they're going to have to they're they're going to have to start closing out not just a season end, but a series end. So they're going to have to start wrapping up a lot of things when it comes to a lot of different characters. As you mentioned, you know, with Emily Bett leaving next season, uh, at the end of this season, we're not going to see her at all next season, whether it's present day or flash forward. So they're going to have to. Well, we'll probably see her at least once. Um, I guarantee it as a guest star role. Next, you think? Next season. Yeah. There's no way that they're not going to do a final episode with, with the, the core OTA. Okay. No yeah. Way. That's a good point. They'll probably bring her back for one. Like, even if it's just one scene. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll, they'll probably bring her back for something. And, um, but yeah, so I like the fact that we've gotten so many additional characters when it comes to this series, the fact that they were able, like in the present day, the fact that they were actually able to use this story to wrap up Laurel's present day series. Um, I, I actually pride the writers on, I think they did a great job with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't, you know, you can disagree. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm trying to figure out how I wanted to word it. I think they did an okay job with it. I think they sent her off in the, the proper way, and I did like how that ended. I think the journey throughout the episode was a little bumpy. Um, I think it was it was a turbulent ride because it was a lot of repeat dialogue that we were getting. It was like, you can't do the thing. She's like, I'm going to do the thing. And I like it's basically <laughs> like Laurel, Laurel took a page out of the Ollie handbook from the like last like you know seven years. Ollie, don't do the thing. I did the thing. Guys, no, I don't, don't, Ollie, don't do the thing. Guys, I'm doing the thing. And you're like, ah, stop it. But at the end of it, then it's just kind of like, okay, I guess you guys are all right. And I'm like, <sighs> you're like, you can write better than this, guys. Like, you can do so much more. It was, I mean, again, it wasn't as bad as some of the previous episodes, but 
there was plenty of those moments where it was just kind of like, how many of these repeat conversations can you have uh, throughout the episode? Like, I think that Felicity said the same thing at least three times this episode. I believe Sarah said the same thing three times this episode. And Dinah did, too. Uh, Dinah's added is like, I told you so. I told you so at the end of every statement. That was the only difference between them. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that was the big piece here and I, where I think this was stilted. And I think they had an opportunity to maybe have a little bit more emotional weight and and such. But I mean, like it was a very by the numbers uh, standard playbook kind of redemption angle. It wasn't anything spectacular. There was some great fight sequences. They, I think they really succeeded and they had fun and they got to really kind of play with this idea of a, a pseudo birds of prey story. And it kind of worked. Um, I wouldn't say it was flawless, but it kind of worked. No, and, uh, but, yeah, I agree. But I think really where the episode shined, and I even said it early on, was um, Sarah's interaction with the team again. Like, and again, it was only really Felicity, but like it brought some of that Legends levity and that old school Arrow levity back into the show in the right way that didn't feel awkward. Um, the last couple of years, you and I both made those comments that a lot of Curtis's comments and Felicity's comments felt very forced. And you saw Emily and, um, oh my God. Why can't I Katie? Yeah. yeah, Katie uh, kind of interacting this week. And it was – it felt natural. It was the first time in a while that some of those lines felt normal and natural. And it was really nice to see that again. So it was – she brought a really fun levity to see Sarah back in the mix with those people and got get to play. And it was – and even when the scenes got emotional, they felt really nice too and flowed and had this piece. And I think it's because, again, it's just – it's that little bit of DNA that the show had at the beginning that it no longer has and it's no longer there because it's not the core OTA interacting with each other anymore. It really hasn't been for quite some time. So when you have an opportunity to put those characters together, even if it's ones that haven't been in the show for a long time, that it it you get that feeling of old arrow again. And it was you really saw that DNA all over this episode, which was fun. So Yeah. Yeah. Um I really the only thing I really uh, had left to say about the episode and, uh, and maybe you can shine a little light on this if if I'm missing something or something but where did where the hell did Shadow Thief come from <laughs> Yeah I, I it was just kind of like we just need a a random big bad and well, again like Shadow Thief is a very you know there could be a different version of Shadow Thief in this another section of DC that I'm not familiar with, but the Shadow Thief I know of is not that character type at all. Well, I mean, I'm not so. even talking like where did the character come from. I mean, like in this storyline, like because they said that you know, you know, she teams up with an old criminal acquaintance. Well, I don't remember Black Siren going on any crime sprees between you know the time Zoom brought her over and the time she kind of got redeemed from Quentin. Well, maybe it wasn't in Star City. Maybe, so, yeah, uh, maybe you know, that's you never- it. You never know, so it, it felt a little convenient. But again, it's what the show does, and you just kind of have to go, okay, yeah, sure, why not? Right. Yeah, uh, I guess I got to buy it. Yeah, and that's again, those the issues like that are why we gave it a, a middling hero. It's not bad. Um, we wouldn't say it was the worst thing in the world. It wasn't Collision Course, and it wasn't a, it wasn't Slapside Redemption. No, sure. <laughs> no, not but at it was, all. It was. I think you're right, though. It did do a decent job, but we did see that really fun sequence at the end of the episode. And I will say, too, very first time I've ever seen Mia in an episode, and I didn't want to strangle her. So, <laughs> kudos. Um. <laughs> uh, you know, on a, on a side note, too, it's funny that you mentioned Catherine McNamara, um, um, because 
we um there there's a con going on in Chicago this weekend, and our buddy Brian Roll from uh, Odyssey Art actually had the opportunity to meet Catherine McNamara this weekend and said she is an absolute sweetheart. I mean, and that's again, that's not a testament. We say this time and time again. Any criticisms we have, criticisms, criticisms we have are never against the actors. Uh, it's more the writing and such. Mm-hmm. But you have said before that you never liked the acting she's ever done in anything. So, you know, and, uh, but like I said, I will say it's I haven't seen her in enough, uh, you know, and her my early impressions of her in the show were not a positive one. And now it's a little less irritating. <laughs> so okay. That's the way I could put it. Yeah, um, she doesn't. She didn't grade on me in this one, and I think it might be again. It could have nothing to do with her acting ability or her ability. It could, it's been purely, I think, the writing that has been dragging the show down the season uh, more than anything. So yeah, it could just be the character itself. That's just yeah, because we've seen seen actors on the show that we have loved and have given some amazing performances that have had episodes this weekend. I'm like, wow, um, you you just aren't trying at all. Or <laughs> And it's again that happens like this. You just generally never know. So. Yeah, uh, not really a lot of feedback online. The only feedback we kind of got on this episode was from our buddy Paul, and we kind of touched on that already. In that he just he really wished there was a uh, a canary storyline worthwhile, and they he feels we never got it throughout the mm-hmm. run of this series. Um, anything else before we we talk about what's this weekend? No. Oh, no, let's uh, move on. All right. Uh, but looking forward to this week of Arrow uh, Season 7, Episode 19, Spartan. After the Ninth Circle delivers a major setback to Team Arrow, Diggle reluctantly reaches out to a four-star general of the Defense Intelligence Agency for help. Uh, and I believe this is the Ernie Hudson episode. It is. Okay. It is. Uh, which should be, uh, should be fun. Well, hopefully. I mean, I've, I've met Ernie, and he's kind of a dick but um i i digress that, that that takes nothing away from his acting skills he's he's still a good actor so we'll see how he fits into the episode all right moving on to the flash season five episode 18 godspeed after discovering that nora is working with thon barry and iris disagree about how to handle their daughter in the wake of the shocking news team flash isn't sure they can trust nora so they go through her journal to find out exactly how she came to work alongside their greatest nemesis and Team Flash find themselves found find themselves against a new speedster named Godspeed. No, Team Flash doesn't find themselves against Godspeed. That's not right. Uh, AKA August Hart, who was created by the Speed for Speed Force Storm and was able to kill the reverse Flash. What? That's not right at all. Nope. Who the hell wrote that summary? An sorry, idiot. sorry, IMDB. <laughs> you kind of have to like screen you need to screen your summary plots. That doesn't happen at all. Um, so, first thing I want to say about this episode, uh, other than the fact of how awesome Godspeed <laughs> looked in this episode, like, let me tell you, if I ever had a dream cosplay, that would now be it. Because mm-hmm. he it's looks... A stunning suit. Oh, my God, he looks amazing. Man, B.D. Wong did a great job with the voice on that one. Yes, he did. Uh, like, it, that he, just... the the. <laughs> oh, it was so ahead. good it's seriously like it, you know and godspeed is a really relatively new character in the dc universe he's only been around since the new 52 launch uh when john uh josh williamson took over the flash and it was you know it, it was a contemporary character that was in barry's modern era versus being in the future but that costume got like peeled off the page like identically it, it looked 
beautiful. Uh, the best thing in the world is if you have, a, if you're on Twitter, just look up Josh Williamson's response where it was just him, just kind of like, oh my god, <laughs> I just don't know what to say because it it just looks stunning. Yeah, I think it, the only negative part about it is it kind of they use him as almost kind of like a throwaway villain. But I hope because they watched the reaction from people that we'll see more of him sometime down the road. Because wow, he looked fantastic. Yeah, I mean, if I had any complaints about the episode too, I I think like they took a a villain who could have been he he literally could have been an entire big season's big bad. Um, and they, yeah, they kind of shrunk them down to one episode and they got it taken care of. But, you know, that also kind of ties into the one thing I did want to say about this episode first and foremost is that how often is it that you get an origin story that takes place in the future? Yeah. Like, and that was really, that was a really cool aspect of it. We got an origin story from a flash forward, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, how else do you make that work other than with the flash? Yeah. I, I- Kudos to Daniel Panabaker this week, her first uh, directorial debut on The Flash. And she did such a beautifully stunning job. Really, really pulled out all the stops. The cinematography looked great. Everything about this episode was absolutely stunning. And, man, I was I was really thoroughly blown away with this week's episode. I was really, really pleasantly surprised about every little ounce of it. I was, too. I think they should literally just let Danielle Panabaker, Tom Cavanaugh, and Kevin Smith direct every episode of the season. Yeah, <laughs> because they always seem to be some of the best episodes and, and just have every episode written by Zach Stentz done. Yeah. So they, <laughs> there you go. Um, but let's let's jump into Nora's uh, origin story for a little bit, because, you know, this is something that we kind of uh, I guess we've been waiting for for a while because we we know that she has obviously the speed force flowing through her. Uh, we know that she is a speedster in, you know, becoming excess. But um, and we knew about the chip. We knew about the chip in her from previous episodes in the past when we found out more about her relationship with Iris. Uh, so that power dampening chip was always there. So, oh, see, I didn't remember that. Oh, yeah, that was the reason. Like they, they kept talking like earlier when she was there. It's like, well, why are you and and Iris not able to talk and hang out? And it was the reason. Like they went into that in depth uh, earlier on this season already. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we get to see how she initially becomes in contact with Eobard Thawne and, you know, reverse flash and the discovery that, you know, Barry Allen is the, her father, it was the flash, which is somebody she pretty much seemed to idolize, uh, and be a big fan of before she ever found that out. Yeah. So she was this huge kind of flash geek, which was kind of cool. And, you know, they, we even find out in this, you know, Syria, this, this timeline too, at this point in time that there's been no speedsters around since the crisis. They've all been missing. Um, so, I mean, that's a big, like, wait, huh, what? They, they they said, Jesse Quick, Jake Garrick, all these characters, they've, they're gone. Like, so, uh, it makes you go, huh, what? Play, and then, you know, rewind, play it back, and you're like, huh, interesting. And then we later on, we get even more of a tease from, from Crisis which was it just kind of a, it made your mind explode a little bit too. But it was, it was interesting to see those pieces. Cause we see her friend, you know, kind of make the comment. She was like, man, I, I wish I could have met Jesse quick. Uh, yeah. all these little pieces, which was really just awesome. But it, it makes you realize that next season things are, things are going to get hairy in a big, bad way. So I'm really curious on how a lot of this is going to play out. Um, so, 
you know, we do see all, all this. And, you know, she is that she. Yeah. Sorry. My brain's trying to find a way to formulate that. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, so this really mirrored a lot of the very first episode of The Flash. Like they really did a beautiful job of mirroring the pilot episode. Uh, you know, like even the first time she her speed starts to work. We see her kind of like dart around, make a whole bunch of mistakes, knock things over, just like Barry. We see her take a run and then end up in the back of uh, the same Mario's laundry stuff and in the back there with her hand vibrating the whole night identical to Barry. And I thought they did a really good job of mirroring those big moments. And we got another big mirrored moment where we see Thawne do the you know whole speech that Barry actually even did and actually was successful with excess uh, when they phased the plane. Uh, but we saw Thawne repeat that speech again, the same that he used to ha- teach Barry how to phase. And I love the fact that she kind of chickened out. Like, she just like, I can't do it. Can't do the thing. Yeah. Um, and so there was a lot of really perfect little moments playing back and forth and off of each other. Um, all this episode. And it, I think it worked wonders. But, like, we also saw, like, you know, Nora's closest friend get killed um, in, in the course of all this by Godspeed. It was that classic hand vibration through the chest thing. So... But lots of nice tiebacks too to like Velocity Nine from from Zoom and all this stuff. So it was really just very unique to see how all of this played out. It was I was really absolutely blown away. Yeah, very as you mentioned, very reflective as as you mentioned of the pilot and and other episodes of it. But it's you know when you put it that way, it makes you realize like how much everything that Barry and Team Flash have gone through really ref, really affects their future. Um, you know, with you mentioned like Velocity Nine, like everything comes back into play at some point again in the future, even yeah. though Barry's not around. You know, so yeah, it, it was it was a lot of fun, but also really uh, interesting to see how everything fit together in the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things I do know is we kind of get a little bit of a hint to Crisis on Infinite Earths in this episode, uh, in that we get a couple of character names dropped. As to who's going to be part of Crisis. Now, whether or not the show is going to live up to that when Crisis comes around next season, we'll see. Uh, but, you know, we do we do get mentions of Barry. We get mentions of Kid Flash. And we get mentions of a speedster with purple lightning. Well, uh, we already know who that is. So. Well, it could be a number of different people, though. Could it well, not? Cause well, it was they were They weren't talking about... That they were saying no speedsters have been seen in Central City, including the speedster with purple lightning, such and such and such, because we know who that is. That's Nora. It's Nora. Okay, because I was thinking and she has to go home at some point. So very okay. Very, all right, all right. So that's the way. Okay. See, I didn't put that together. Like my mind instantly went to crisis and was thinking. Like I think my mind instantly went to fanboying and was like, "Ooh, who's another speedster we can get as part of crisis." And then uh, you kind of forget. I'm like, oh yeah, we have. Oh yeah, we have Nora yeah. already. So never mind. Already- it's okay. It's it, don't 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 feel bad. <laughs> my brain did that too, and it took me like a day. And I'm like, oh, that makes more sense. Because <laughs> my mind automatically went to like, all right, wait a minute. Iris had purple lightning. Is Iris going to get speed force again? No, wait. Accelerated man had purple lightning. Maybe we're going to get accelerated man in crisis. So my mind went like all these different places. Kind of fanboyed out a little bit at that at that mention. And yeah, it's it's so already down to earth that the answer is already right in front of us and that we have Nora. Well, you know, because it was, it was smart that the way that that was brought up, because again, this is coming from Nora's learning this knowledge before she comes back. So it twists your brain a little bit. You're like, Ooh, and I'm like, Oh, we already know because you know, 
if, if the me from the future is now in the past, how could you possibly <laughs> know about it? <laughs> yes. But I mean, it also it also poses the thought too that you know if that's the case, and they're mentioning the speed the speedster with purple lightning, you know, that disappeared then this was all destined to play out the way it was to begin with. She was already meant to go back there. Well, again, we're going to talk time travel semantics <laughs> because the fact that she <clears throat> does go back resets that point. So it's kind of one of those, like, is this a nail a loop? and has to happen because she does choose to go back in sometime in the future. And then your brain goes, if it wasn't for that horse, I would have spent that year in college. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so... Thank you for that Lewis Black mention. That's uh, fantastic. I, I have to. That's that's the only time I can pull pull that up is when we talk about the Flash. I think I brought that up about a year ago in the show, and I'm like, but again, it's the best best thing to do whenever you have to start bringing up semantics about time travel. I'm like, let's not try. Like, it's better just to not try. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like we we 100 accept all of these things happen because of yes, anything can happen though. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I. I'm really looking forward now to seeing because you're right. They are starting the buildup. The buildup, like we didn't expect it until like near the end of the season. This episode was saying, huh, no, no, we have to start nodding to this heavily because it's right around the corner. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like I, I had mentioned that before, too, that I was expecting or at least keeping my fingers crossed and hoping that we're going to get some kind of crisis tease by the end of these seasons, by the season finale, or maybe like a post-credit scene of the season finales, we're going to get some kind of tease for Crisis next year. Because we've mentioned time and time again how big of an event this is. And it's not something that I don't think you can do in just a three or four episode crossover. You have to start building to it before the crossover hits. And oh, yeah. I mean, and, and I think we're going to start seeing that quite a bit. Not, you know, in all of these shows. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think I think you're right. I think it's it's we're going to see some more nods. And, you know, it's funny. Like I said, this was such a big episode, but there's not a lot to talk about um, because we knew so much of it already. It's a seeing those little pieces and how they connect and play together. Yeah, it's kind of like when we had that episode with Lex and we're like, this is what he's been doing in the past three years. And you're like, oh, damn. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of the same way. Um, but yeah, you're right. You could definitely see that something major is going on with Eobard. And I'm very curious to see how that's going to continue to play out because uh, our good friend TJ, who's been on our show here and, and is on Captain Crew, uh, you know, occasionally as well, his big prediction is that somehow Eobard and Barry are going to switch places. There's something's going to happen that's going to cause them to go through that. And he said he was more convinced after this past episode. Uh, and if that's the case, man, can you imagine Tom Cavanaugh playing The Flash next season for a couple episodes and how cool that would be? That's interesting. I never I never even gave that a thought that they could switch places. But, I mean, I don't see how that potentially would happen. He's trying to get out of dying. And, you know, we know he's down to his last X amount of minutes before Death Row. So, but he said there was a shot specifically that they did where you could see Barry's face projected onto Eobard when he was, when Flash went to the future and went to Iron Heights. And it could very well be the case. So yeah, but you knows? know what, though? I don't, I don't see that as a potential prediction that they're going to switch places. I basically, the way you were talking about how everything was a reflection of something of the past, that's how I took that. That was literally yeah, I mean, another reflection. I, I, yeah, and I can 
I get that too. I, I'm just very curious. It's just one of the things that I don't know where it's going. I really don't know where it's going. And that's what makes this exciting again. Like, I don't want the cicada stuff anymore. Focus mm. on this. This is really, really interesting and compelling. Oh, crap. You really had to bring that up, didn't you? I completely forgot we still have to wrap up the cicada story. But you know what? Oh, I don't think it. it's going to take that much longer to wrap <clears throat> up. And I think this is all something that has to do with whatever Reverse Flash has got going on. And I think that's why it's going to be okay. So, like, Orland stuff is finished, but we don't know how everything else ties together yet. So they could surprise us. Yeah. I mean, and uh, I mean, we do know looking forward into the future too. Ooh, wait a minute. I just, <laughs> I just read something interesting. Um, I'm looking, we only have four episodes left of the season, so they're going to have to wrap it up uh, sometime recently. Um, next week is going to be a Caitlin uh, centric episode. Yeah, yeah, uh, we're gonna see Icicle come back. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> then we do know that we're gonna be getting um, more to uh, Barry and Nora's storyline going after that. But episode twenty one, the title is very interesting, and it's called That's, the. Is that the finale? No, episode twenty two is the finale. Okay. Uh, episode twenty one is titled "The Girl with the Red Lightning." Yeah, I don't know what that means. Uh, it's going to be interesting, but I have a feeling it's... <clears throat> I don't know. That we'll, <laughs> we're just going to have to see how it plays out. Um, I don't really have anything left to talk... Because, again, you're right. It's it's a pretty straightforward episode. There's just a lot of great things that happened in it. Um, uh, I think the coolest <clears throat> thing was that when she actually went into the Time Vault and seeing all the boxes with the flash rings. Yes. And it was this kind of like suit X, suit this, suit 19, suit 21, you know, all these things. You're like, man, I'm like, I can't wait to see if we see a few more of those. Obviously, we see where Nora picks up the first ring, um, you know, that we where Barry has his suit from now. But I, I'm looking forward to seeing how that's going to play out. But that again, we have the video from Barry when he's kind of saying, boom, I'm your dad. <laughs> uh, that's happening on the battlefield from Crisis. And, you know, some eagle, uh, eagle-eared listeners actually heard, say you can actually hear Ollie screaming in the background and such. And really? So, <clears throat> like they said, it's really hard to make out, but you can say uh, apparently that it was confirmed that it was a mill. So. Oh, I'm going to have to uh, go back and rewatch that scene because I didn't really pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think it was really cool that we get a Battlefield video done. So looking forward to it. And we're hearing rumblings that the, uh, the chin strap is coming back. So... Which I know uh, is something you've been uh, you've been a fan yeah. of. Oh, I almost completely forgot. Did you happen to notice the Black Lightning tie-in in this episode? Uh, I'm, uh, no. <laughs> you would remember it if you saw it. There is a particular scene, I can't remember where it is, where we see a laundry truck. And the laundry truck is Gamby Laundry. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. So a nice little tie in to Black Lightning in this episode, which I thought was really cool. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing I think really left to talk about is maybe the the impact of that final scene of Barry in the future at Iron Heights talking to Eobard and what that could potentially mean. I mean, is that has Barry known for a while that that Nora is has been working with Eobard or did he go and see Eobard when he found out about Nora? No, no, this was very clear that it, this was him confronting him for the first time. Cause that's when like Barry like talks to Nora. And it's like, you're off the team. I don't trust you. Like you've been doing this for all of this time. You're saying, and I, 
no, like I was like, I can't have somebody out in the field that I just don't trust. And that's when he rushes there. So that was you could tell that was the first time. Yeah, because it just it just threw me for a little bit when, you know, when when Eobard said to Barry, like, oh, did she finally come clean? That yeah. sound that sounds like a line of two people who have had a conversation before about yeah. that situation. Well, I think it's also based off of the fact that they have such a very messed up relationship between the two of two of them. So, yeah, that's true. That could mm-hmm. be it as well. Uh, yeah, so again, looking forward to this week. We kind of talked about it a little bit already. Um, Snowpack, which is an episode where uh, Caitlin is going to be dealing with Icicle returning. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, before we get into news, just real quick feedback on Facebook. Uh, Michael Frank says, hell yeah, Godspeed looks freaking badass, which we totally agree. Uh, and then Mike Hackney Jr. says, I'd like to start by saying I didn't care for the way they dismiss Cheryl. I like how he calls Sherlock Cheryl. Uh, like that for doing his job. Uh, all in all, it was a low hero for me. Iris made it very difficult to watch, and seeing so much Nora made me realize that Barry was definitely right. It was her time for her to go home. Loved, loved, loved seeing Reverse Flash and Godspeed. My wife and I 100% agree with Barry's decision and feelings towards Nora, especially when he said she had other options and kept going back. So many chances to tell him the truth. I kind of agree with that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't give the episode a low hero because of that, but I agree what he says with uh, agreeing with Barry's decision and his feelings yeah. towards Nora. I agree. And I, I mean, I those those points are really valid, but I think that's also what creates a really emotional impact on the show. Uh, the fact that you have somebody that idolizes her father so much, but is doing everything the wrong way and is basically using his nemesis as this teaching tool. Um, and because of how much hate that she realizes that, you know, he, he still brought to Barry's life, ultimately like the death of her grandmother, all of this stuff is really an interesting piece to all this. So it it, it does bring a lot of interesting points to it, but I think that's, what's going to make this more intense. And I think that it was a necessary piece and a necessary buildup that succeeded in making the environment that much more tense on how everything's going to play out. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so that about is going to wrap it up for the breakdowns of the episodes this week. Uh, let's shoot it over to DC News and see what's in the world right now. Not a ton this week, but let's uh, talk about there's really only four points we want to touch base on. So uh, let's start with a fun one. Uh, so Legends of Tomorrow showrunner Phil Klemmer did say this officially. Hey, guys, I absolutely, absolutely know all of you want more Bebo, but he's not promising anything just yet. <laughs> Uh, he was just pretty much goes on to explain that while the character is a huge fan favorite and is fully aware that the character was on all of the bags of merchandise stuff for San Diego Comic-Con, they said the biggest thing is they don't want to overuse the character and make it no, like, no, like, no longer have its humor and purpose and being that fun little thing in the background. So they did say you'll hopefully see more Bebo in the future, but they said they are going to absolutely, absolutely not uh, abuse abuse the uh, the usage of the character. But they said they can't promise anything. Uh, any any uh, can't promise any uh, anybody Bebo. Eventually, yeah, sure, but we're actually in contract negotiations with his agent at this time. So, is the way that they put it. So, <laughs> contract negotiations with his agent. That's fantastic. All right. Uh, jumping over to a news story that a lot of you apparently saw that we posted uh, is we found out officially that Batwoman, well, not officially, officially unofficially, Batwoman is reportedly locked to get the pickup. Uh, it sounds like everything is going incredibly well with the show. Uh, and is as we've even told you in the past, they've mentioned that there's a, such an incredibly high chance that this is happening. 
Uh, we've heard this back from the T, uh, TCAs. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. TCAs. Um, and but now more reports are coming out, and this is now coming out of deadline, basically saying uh, this is in in for fall. So uh, definitely be ready. So yeah, I, we I think we we saw that coming, but still, it's it's good to hear the official word. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into some movie stuff, and then we'll talk about the big one at the end here. So one of the things we have to touch on is stuff about Suicide Squad, and specifically, it sounds like Dave Bautista will not be in the film. Uh, he is dropping out, but not because he does not want to play the character role, doesn't believe in the project, any of those things, purely because Dave Bautista's you know, time in the big screen is getting bigger and bigger and bigger right now. And unfortunately, when they're planning on shooting is unfortunately not something that he's able to do at this time because of other contracts that he has for when things are going to be filming and causing too much of a conflict. Um, so now it seems like James Gunn is moving on to another option and another choice, and that being another wrestler from WWE. That is John Cena, who has also made a bigger push into the film world, who sounds like maybe taking over the role Dave Bautista is leaving. So it sounds like it's officially going to be i think they said the character of peacemaker is the high chance right now but there is some rumors that it may actually not be peacemaker but uh potentially things as rat catcher or it, uh king shark i believe is the other option so it's and a big that king shark would be an interesting choice for john too yeah well I, it sounds like we are going to be seeing uh the high chance they're saying we are going to be seeing a version of king shark but it sounds like it's going to be more the comic book oriented hammerhead shark version of the character so okay so, uh, but yeah, so kind of curious to see again, John Cena is again, also a really fun actor. Uh, he did a great job in Bumblebee. I thought he was a lot of fun there. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings and yeah. we're not going to talk about the Marine. So, <laughs> well, I mean, and he, and he's been in some like, um, like Judd Apatow movies and stuff like that. Right, so he's right. got some, he's definitely got the act, the action chops, but he's got some comedic chops as well. So it'll be interesting to see what he brings to any role he's taken on. Yeah. Uh, but the last big story for the week is there was a bit of a roller coaster with Swamp Thing this past week. Uh, and I know there was some worry and curiosity on things, so we'll have an opportunity to break that down here for you now. But the big piece is we got our first teaser look at Swamp Thing. So this was apparently the shot that was shown at the most recent convention where they kind of talked about, uh, you know, the expansion of the DC Universe, like the comic book library. And they showed this bit in that where that video ended uh, was right before uh, Swamp Thing actually came out, and they actually went to it went to black. This teaser video that we now have on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC Primetime, you can actually see Swamp Thing in all his glory. So uh, I will say the character design looks fantastic. I'm really excited. But what was very interesting, though, at the same time the day that this hit was also the same day that we found out one other thing, that Swamp Thing ended production unceremoniously this past Tuesday night out of nowhere, while they still had three additional episodes, they were supposed to be filming. Uh, the production was fully shot, uh, shut down. Uh, and they said, apparently what is being done is uh, due to some creative differences, they're going back and actually going to be working on. Um, I believe they said reworking and retooling the final episode. So episode 10 uh, to be the final episode of the first season of the show, which is still premiering May 31st. It's not being delayed any way, shape, or form. So there's definitely going to be going back and reworking some final shooting. But um, So again, we did find out officially, though, Tuesday night was the, the closure of that. But it was, you know, apparently Brass came in, shut down all production. Uh, the I don't believe anybody was aware of this at all. It just ended, again, unceremoniously. So... 
Uh, I figured you and I should kind of break that down a little bit because a lot of people have some concerns, and I know a lot of initial articles had some concerns about this, and I kind of wanted to... You and I have spoken a little bit over Messenger about where we think this is kind of coming down. Um, You know, me personally, I... You know, my thought process was, well, Warner Brothers has their streaming service coming. And does it make a lot of sense to have two streaming services? You and I have spoken about this in the past on the show, kind of like, well, what happens for DC Universe when the Warner Brothers streaming app launches? And now with things like Disney Plus making a big, huge splash and even causing Netflix's stock to nosedive a little bit, um, is Warner Brothers concerned? Or are they going to be filming stuff to bring things over? Are they going to try to focus more on... Um, extending some of the properties that they have outside of just DC for that service. So where do you fall on that line? Um, you know what? I think when it comes to streaming services, like they were great, uh, uh, you know, because I've always been a, a big proponent of somebody who pulled the plug when it comes to cable. I did it years ago. I've never looked back to it because streaming services have been a big bonus when it comes to that. But now everybody and their mother is kind of wanting to create a streaming service. We've got Disney Plus. We've already had Netflix and Hulu, Amazon, uh, you know, as I mentioned, Disney Plus now, DC Universe, Warner Brothers. I think I think we're starting to get to a bubble already when it comes to streaming services. Because in order for if everybody's gonna keep taking their properties off and putting them on their own streaming services, you're now getting back to the point where it's gonna cost you just as much for all these streaming services as it would have if you kept cable. Um, and that's a problem for me. And I think if DC Universe were to go the way that we initially thought it was going to go when these whole rumors came out that, hey, DC Universe might be going away because of Warner Brothers streaming service, you know, all the DC properties are owned by Warner Brothers, I would actually be okay if DC streaming, if DC Universe went exclusively to comic books um, and saved their video content for the Warner Brothers streaming service. Because yeah. it's it's one less streaming service now I have to buy. Um, yeah, and they, they own those a couple a couple bucks a month. Uh, they drop the price maybe like not even probably half because again there's a ton of comics. But if they bring the price down to say I don't know like three ninety nine, four ninety nine for the comics, and you're just hey I get to subscribe to all this back stuff of DC, that could be a big deal. And just let that kind of be its thing that's cool and then move these other things over but swamp thing i think comes into play and they're like well this is kind of more going to be maybe a little bit more intense a little bit more horror related maybe they realize based on when they launched their streaming service that's not the kind of stuff they want there so maybe i mean but i mean you know for dc and warner brothers and you put them side by side to put them you know together for dc and warner brothers to kind of say like okay we're going to create this warner brothers streaming service but everything dc we're going to put on this streaming service so now we're kind of double dipping a little bit and that would almost to me be like disney saying okay we've got disney plus which is going to have all of our disney animated films and our disney live action films but we're going to create pixar plus for just for the pixar films you know, so if you want one, if you want both, you have to subscribe to them both. Yeah. And I, I don't feel like I, I kind of almost feel like that's not fair to consumers. No, it's not. I mean, we even heard one of the other things that Disney Plus is going to be doing that it's going to force a lot of people's hands, especially Netflix, um, is the fact that they're going to be offering two versions of Disney Plus. You can do a standard Disney Plus, which is just the Disney Plus service. And I believe they're going to be doing another one that I believe is nine ninety nine a month. That's going to be Disney Plus in addition to, or no, I think it's $14.99. Disney Plus with Hulu Plus ad-free and ESPN 
uh, on their um, service as well. So you're getting all three of those for $14.99. That's already the price. If Well, it's less than the price of Netflix right now, especially if you have the plan that, so you can see 4K content. That's about to go up to $16.99. Yeah, because I don't have 4K content and mine – oh, no. I do have 4K content now because I forgot I have a 4K TV. Yeah, and I just got that notification. It was going up to like fifteen, sixteen, ninety nine. Yeah, so Disney Plus is going to be able to say, well, you're going to get 4K HDR content, all this stuff, at half the price. Um, <coughs> so DC Universe is really going to have to do something, or Warner's going to have to do something big. Like, they really have to. Like, And I think they're aware of this, and they know they need to. So this could be them pivoting or positioning. On the other side, this could be something like Titans Season 1, where they did not use the final episode of Titans and reworked the end of Episode 11, where we actually really ended off, because they thought there was a better ending there. So this could be the showrunner making a call uh, and Top Brass saying, hey, you know, like maybe it's even the cost of what you guys are doing. There's been a lot of reshoots that have been a little excessive. You're going over budget. All of these things that could have caused this. So nobody's really sure, but I would not be surprised to see this as being a plan to consolidate. So... Uh, all I know is I hope Doom Patrol and Titans don't get canceled. <laughs> yeah, so. me too, because they're both fantastic. Right. Um, you know, so yeah, it's going to be interesting because again, I think we're getting to that point where we're hitting a wall, um, or we're we're getting ready for a bubble to burst when it comes to streaming services, and we haven't even seen some of them debut yet. Yeah. Uh, so it's you know, well, like I said, it's a big. We're in that. We're in the shift. Well, you know, we we as consumers for the longest time said, if you give me the stuff out of cart, I'll happily pay for it. Uh, and while we were all saying that, things like Netflix, Hulu, and, and Amazon, you know, uh, Amazon Prime Video really blew up. Uh, and so many of us were still saying that. And the downside is, it takes a long time for people to respond to requests. And because those responses finally got heard, they got heard a little too late. Yeah, they're like, oh, cool, let's do it. I'm like, well, we're already kind of settled into this new world, though, with the way that we kind of view content. And I think that's the problem. So it's it's going to be interesting to see kind of how the way that this Wild West kind of shakes out over the next year to two years. I mean, I do think personally, I think the value and the cost of Disney Plus sounds phenomenal. I, I think they're going to be able to bring a lot to the table and they're going to be able to invest quite a bit more than any other company. But you have a lot of content that's going to get spread there. And I think it's going to it's going to force these people to really think outside the box, because, I mean, the only way I can see that they're going to do it is if there's a Harry Potter TV show. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't think that Warner Brothers isn't in the planning phase of that in some way, shape or form. I, like, there's no way that they aren't a Harry Potter television series. Yeah. On, on the Warner Brothers streaming service. You can't guarantee they're not going to do that. No, but I, I'm just curious if the world needs it. <laughs> well, I'm talking about it's in that universe. It's not. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. If the, if they happen to do it, you're right. It's in the DC. Well, or yeah, but I mean, it would be Warner Brothers Studios that would put it. They would put it on the streaming service, similar to the way DC did with Swamp Thing and Doom Patrol. Right, or, you know yeah. the way that Disney's planning, like the Mandalorian and all these other shows. Like there's the you know like yeah falcon and uh winter soldier series coming there's all these other ones that are just on the way like the hawkeye series all this stuff so there there's so much to come and i think that's you're gonna see people not afraid to take these big big properties and put them in a new format for people to watch so yeah. i think i wouldn't be surprised to see more about that maybe starting to spin out of san diego comic-con potentially uh, but if not, I would say early next year. Yeah, but I mean, again, like you, you bring you bring up an interesting point about how DC streaming service is doing the, you know, the um, 
they're they're doing the the side Marvel projects, you know, and the Mandalorian for Star Wars. It's DC Plus is putting all of these under one umbrella, whereas Warner Brothers is doing DC separate than everything else. <laughs> right, you know, and it's, and they're gonna realize they're gonna realize it doesn't make sense to do that when they have a lot more that they can offer people. So I think that's really where it's going to boil down to is because they're going to have the ability to say, here's so much more. So, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, just going to be fun to watch everything play out. Yeah. Well, that's it for the news, though. Uh, Well, you forgot one story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) The biggest story of the week. Jason Momoa shaves his beard and the Internet realizes, oh, my God, he's still a hot guy. You know, that's... (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted you to say that because that was the great way that that was the great way to summarize the story. Yeah, I think it cracked me up because it was so funny to watch that, and everybody was like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute, he shaved his oh, he shaved oh. his beard." <laughs> so, I mean, and like it, it doesn't like we know his guys. It doesn't. It, it's Momoa will grow that back before his next time as being Aquaman. It's not a big deal, and he may not. He may say, you know what? I'm not going to. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that because traditionally he doesn't have that beard. Arthur Curry in the comics goes back and forth. Yeah, that's very true. Sometimes he has beard. Sometimes he don't. Yep. So that's true. Uh, Cool. So let's uh, let's put out a couple recommendations before we do our cheap plugs and and get out of here and enjoy the rest of our Easter. Um, I'll kick it off this time. I'm I'm basic low and I'm going back to the well on mine. Uh, This is one I've recommended once, maybe twice already, but... Just because of the fact of how phenomenal it is, and next week or this week rather, is the um, is the season finale still waiting on a renewal for season three, dude? If you haven't had the chance, watch the Orville on Fox. I know I recommend it a lot, but it is no lie my favorite show on te- on network television right now. It is so damn good, and like I'm looking forward to when you finally start watching and getting caught up, so we can talk about it. Nice, uh, yeah, that'll probably be in a couple months. I'll I'll start kind of tearing through it, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, for me, I'm gonna say right off the bat, man, Doom Patrol. Uh, I this yeah. is that's exactly what I'm doing the moment I log off here is I'm going to watch this past week's episode, but also too, again, we don't make any money off of these people, so sign up for DC Universe. Uh, I can tell you this now. They, the comic stuff that they started uploading, <laughs> it's getting awesome. And every Elseworlds book is on there now. Um, so I oh. uh, I have been digging through stuff, and it's been a blast. So I, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying the service. If you've been on the fence and live in the U.S., uh, go for it. Give it a shot. I know we just talked about all these things, but I guarantee you, though, like if you are paying monthly – Get, try it out for months, see if you like it. But if you're a comic reader, then this is a great place to check, like, check in on stuff. And uh, they're doing a really good job of you now putting together like lists of like full comic series and arcs and that you can start reading through. So it's a really great way you can do it on your television if you've got a if you got a 4K TV or a smart TV. I'm sorry, not a 4K, but um, but yeah, everything looks stunning. I think it just launched on Xbox this past week as well now. So cool. Yeah, I know. I'm looking forward to diving a little bit more into like the whole comic aspect of of DC Universe. Mm-hmm. So because there's a lot of stuff on there, I would still love to go back and read and stuff I'd like to read for the first time. Yeah, totally. totally. So, uh, cool. So cheap plugs, and then we can get out. Uh, as always, you can find this podcast as well as all other podcasts, part of the Next Level Podcast Network, at thenextlevelnetwork.com, facebook.com slash thenextlevelnetwork, uh, and, of course, the Facebook page for this podcast, facebook.com slash dcprimetime. 
And as always, you can find me as well at the Camping Crew Cast of Pods over at the nextlevelnetwork.com. Our last episode that has been online for about two weeks now is Disney Part 2. Uh, enter the, or this like the mouse inning or whatever it was, Revenge of the Mouse. Uh, but where we talked a little bit more about uh, the newest era of the new live action era of Disney, as well as some of our concerns since the acquisition of Fox Studios. Uh, but in addition to that, our next episode, which we'll be recording in two weeks as soon as I return from my trip in Iceland, uh, we are going to be doing extinct geekdoms. So things that you, we used to love in geek culture that are no longer around. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to diving into that one. So again, that'll probably, I believe, record on May 8th and probably released a couple days right after that. So Cool. Uh, as far as this podcast goes, you mentioned you're going to be in Iceland, so I will still be... You will not be on the podcast next week. Uh, I will not. But I will, and I will be joined by our buddy Shad, uh, who's going to be coming on, as, as you might know us mentioned, uh, as Damn It Shad, uh, many, many times on this podcast, and I'm sure will be mentioned many, many times next week. <laughs> 